Welcome to our show, Conversations with Ruben. In this episode, Ruben will be discussing life before, during, and after the pandemic. and welcome to Conversations with Ruben. We will be discussing um, how to manage uh, your life during and after the pandemic. Um, needless to point out that um, we are all living through it uh, globally. Um, every country, you know, every race, creed, culture, we are all dealing with this pandemic. Um, the key thing has been that um, you can never really have a solution to a problem you do not understand or define. And medically speaking, it's a challenge for everyone um, who is involved, uh, especially from the medical field, while they're working on, uh, you know, getting a vaccine and also looking for temporary remedies. Um, it's obvious that um, it's taken a toll, especially here in the United States, where you have more than 160,000 uh, people that have lost their lives. And um, we are still looking for answers. Um, there's too much pain uh, for those who have lost a loved one. Uh, there's too much pain for those who have not been able to recover. They say economically, and um, there are those who are, you know, suffering in various ways uh, based on the fact that um, we can no longer function the way we used to. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to change, uh, the way we communicate, the way we relate. We are having to deal with, um, you know, the distancing, uh, something that's very foreign to human nature, where interaction and social uh, connections are very important. So there's no way we can really quantify the pain, but the best thing we can do, like I said earlier, is that we can find or we can look for a way to cope while seeking a solution, which is what I said in the beginning, that uh, you cannot really solve a problem you do not understand. There's a lot that rides on our basic understanding of what the actual problem is. So in reference to uh, COVID, the solution is through research that will take years to understand that part. You know, we're talking about lab work, you know, for uh, those of you who have, um, you know, taken sciences, um, we always start with a theory. We start with um, an experimentation. We have to have some type of objective and uh, we have to pursue it until we find out really what the core, you know, uh, outcome uh, on uh, a cause versus effect will be. So we are dealing with an animal that we hardly understand, but we do know what it is. And that's what's so strange about it. We know that it's a virus and we also know that it's uh, rapidly, you know, expanding in terms of infection rates. And we know that it does affect some people differently. One person can experience something totally different from the other. When we're talking about uh, the illness, you can either have a fever, 
Uh, you can have uh, breathing or respiratory issues and you can, um, you, you know, have an issue with your blood, whether it's blood pressure, heart attacks, things of that sort. So it's that dynamic as a disease. And so when we talk about uh, a pandemic, basically it's an out of control uh, situation. It's an out of control situation. So the reason for having this podcast is to bring and reconcile a couple of key things that we can work with while the solution is being sought. And um, it's my opinion, um, it's my understanding and many of others that um, there are critical elements within um, you know, um, a, a situation where you do not know what to do and it, it's affecting more than you and collectively it's affecting us. So this is how uh, we can live through and after a pandemic. When we are talking about um, how to live through a condition we do not understand, there are things that we do have possession or control over. There are always factors that we can take care of initially. And those factors can be used or those things can be used to help us alleviate the longevity or the pain that can come from doing nothing. Remember, when you cannot do anything, that's when you have the most impact in the negative. I do not care what the issues are. You have to do something. Um, I talked to one of uh, my best friends and um, we were talking about how we can make or create change. And part of the change mechanism is you can make one step, even just an inch, 100 meters, 20 meters, one inch, six feet. It doesn't matter. As long as you're making a step, doing something small on a daily basis, on an hour basis, on a minute basis is change. You're making progress. So to survive or to live through a pandemic, we have to have that approach. We have to have that mindset that uh, we are not going to fix everything at once, but we are going to make little steps towards the right direction. I say so because within the conversations with Ruben as a show, we design uh, this show so we can have an impactful an effective and an educational conversation about our daily lives. And uh, so I thought about um, um, having a show that will help us have that conversation about what we are going to do. Really, what are we going to do to live through this pandemic? Um, I know most of you, uh, just like I am, Obviously, we can't keep talking or rehashing over the effects. We kind of see the effects. But there's some things that I believe, honestly, if we can harness the power to control what we can, I think we will make it. You know, there's a point where no matter how hard you get hit, the pain can intensify so much that if you retreat and the enemy keeps swinging and just keep hitting you, there's that point where you say, you know what, but I'm not dead. You know what, I'm not knocked out. I still have it in me because it hasn't taken me out yet. And that's when you decide to fight. So that's what this conversation is about. So when we are um, having to face a pandemic, 
like the one we're going through right now, visualizing your mind is like you have a financial problem and you know you need to find some work to do to make a living. There are some things that you can do, whether it's applying for a job with a resume or um, just seeking someone who is hiring today, no matter how temporary or permanent it may be, or um, you may decide to go into business and creatively come up with an idea. See, the thing is you have things you can control. Number one, you actually are healthy, so you can do something about it. Number two, you do have a specific talent, a gifting of some kind that you can go out there and make things work. Number three, if you think about it this way now, right, you have opportunity to even do something meaning when i say the word opportunity is that there are other living creatures there are other living human beings out here that are also seeking help and you might be just the right person to help them solve whatever problems they're dealing with or whatever help they need and that exchange is where you're going to earn your money so if you focus on you do not have and you do not plan to change the reality that you do not have, then depression kicks in. But if you do think about the fact that you do not have, but that propels you into what can I do, you tend to look into what you have. Those are the factors that I'm talking about. So within the pandemic, there's that idea of what do I have? What can I do to make things work? All right. So as we speak, for example, there is a lot of need for cleaning. You know, we have to be more cleaner now. Hygiene has become a major issue to control the infection rate. We have to now take that personal responsibility. So that's the one thing that we can do. Think about it this way. If we have 21 million nine hundred and three three hundred forty one cases globally, Again, we're talking 21 million 903, 341 people infected globally. It's close to a million people that have actually lost lives, meaning 774,379 as of today, that's how many people we have lost. So in the U.S., when we look at those numbers, we have over 5,400 and some change infected. And we have lost over 170,000 people. So if you look at those numbers, they're staggering. Of course, there's, um, you know, the, uh, the, the accuracy of the data. That's not what uh, this conversation is about right now. It's about the impact of what an infection can actually do in a society or a community. So with that, we have to come up with ways to deal with our lives every day. If we are not in the medical field, there's really nothing we can do in terms of helping uh, find a cure but we can participate by doing those things that will help mitigate and stop the infection rate. So that's on one hand. But on the other, we have to deal with the reality that this particular pandemic has also affected not only the way we deal with our lives, but more so 
the way we have experienced life through this process. So there is a psychological adjustment. There is going to be a physical adjustment. And yes, there will be um, an emotional adjustment, uh, you know, the health adjustment. There are so many things that we have to deal with because the dynamism of what has taken place has really shaken just about all the four core pillars of our humanity. And I'll talk about that shortly. But those are the main things that we have to think through as we find these tools to live through a pandemic. So to get us uh, to look at it now more squarely, if I might add, it's like um, uh, compare that in the beginning, right, of this year, when we talk about your life in 2020, especially before in the beginning, COVID-19, while non-medically speaking, no one expected that this virus will have such an impact in our health or the economy, and I might add your social life. Uh, can you remember the moment in your lifetime when, let's say, schools were shut down, places of worship shut down, and yes, places of work also shut down? I have never heard of businesses that will provide a simple service not be able to function. When I say the word simple there, I mean core. Core service is very simple in nature. You know, you do not know what it means if your trash is not picked up. But you do know what it means or what it feels like when your trash is picked up in the sense of we take our trash from the house to these big dustbins, right? And we hope someone comes and picks them up. But we take it for granted because that trash is being taken up every day. We don't know how filthy we are if we just never really disposed of, um, you know, waste, right? So we get to appreciate it if there was no trash pickup in a couple of days, three days, four days, five days. Now imagine a week. Think about a month. We have a problem, don't we? Well, that's the same thing here, meaning at the beginning, we did not really know what can actually happen. But now we see, what do we see? When the places of work, when the things that used to happen automatically are no longer working. For those of you who goes to, you know, let's say coffee shops or fast food uh, places to get a meal, all of a sudden, the place is closed. All of a sudden, you just can't get what you used to get. I remember, um, you know, going to a, a car wash and being told, like, I just can't have uh, those, um, you know, cleaning agents that I used to just get and clean my car. And I was like, what, what happened? Because I do enjoy washing a car. It's therapeutic for me. But it just dawned on me at that point that even a simple car wash was affected. Not only that, they're shut down. So whenever they're open, it's in very minimal availability and convenience. And at the same time, there's so many regulations. I mean, you had to have an appointment in the beginning of this pandemic just to get, let's say, uh, an oil change. You have to have an appointment to a, an oil change. Since when, right? So those are the things that I'm saying that while they're happening on the surface, it looks like you're just adjusting to the condition. But psychologically speaking, there's an impact to your programming, what we call your routines and behavior. 
And uh, I'll expound on that just a little bit so you understand that part of it. But I want you to see that what I'm saying is everything that was shutting down, even though it was almost like an instant shock, it carries an adjustment of behavior. I'll talk about that behavior um, um, in a in a way that uh, can bring it home. Um, roughly, it takes about twenty one days to let's say thirty days for your behavior to actually change or to change any behavior or routines that you have. Most of the time, it takes about that long, right? Now, we're not talking about necessarily the results. We're talking about your way of thinking about anything. So, if I told you that you shouldn't really leave the house for a month, your brain is going to go through almost like a denial effect the first five to ten days. And then after that, you're going to be figuring out how to survive because you're thinking this might just be real. By the 20th day of just staying in the house, you'll find a way to now cope. That's where the danger is. Because at the coping stage, you have now aligned what your behaviors are in a non-confinement or in a close uh, proximity to the things that you might need or you'll find a way to adapt to what is working for you at that moment. I'll even add and say incarceration in prison, in jail, if you look at the living condition, an inmate after a while learns how to function within that limited space, limited exposure, and in a very known set of routines, like when to get up, what to do while you're up, and how to go back to sleep, and what time can you stand out and, you know, just go out and breathe some fresh air, and how many hours can you have sunlight? All those things in the beginning are very punishing because the brain is trying to figure out how to survive. But eventually, it can come a way of life. So much so that through institutionalization, some people, after incarceration, it's very possible for them not to want to be free again. They no longer see the openness of the world as inviting. But yet, in the beginning, that was what was normal confinement or incarceration was the exact opposite. That wasn't normal. They didn't like that. In the end, it can end up being that that's the safer place. Now, does it mean it's a good place? No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the human mind begins to adapt and accept. That's where the danger comes in, adapting and accepting. So within the pandemic, what I'm saying is, we are adapting and accepting. But there are some things that we can adapt and accept that are not necessarily right for us in the long term, meaning there needs to be the idea of, I just had to do what I had to do, but this is not where I need to be, okay? You have to begin to find ways to deal with that. So if you can remember how life was, everything was open from schools, places of worship, and, um, you know, work, and all of that reversed. So even in a war, most of the time this doesn't happen the way it did happen. Unless, let's say, there's um, a destructive force like a bomb on a community. We just don't shut down like that, right? So 
we already know that there's no cure. They're working on it. But this consistency of a change in our human behavior due to continuous, uh, continuous distancing, um, having to wear a mask, um, having to get used to, let's say, working from home, and sometimes you can't even work because there's no work anyway, it's changing our core behavior, and that's going to have impacts even after the pandemic. See, and that's why the conversation is very important, meaning let's talk about what's happening during the pandemic and what's going to have to happen after the pandemic. So when things shut down in April, our routines and behaviors also changed. In the beginning, for those, you know, gainfully employed, you could have just felt like it's an extended vacation or another stab at the holiday break, right? But for others, it was a moment of anxiety and worry. Business and many employees, for example, have lost their livelihoods. Um, in some cases, uh, the uncertainty of not knowing when and where the next paycheck will come has created a continuous stress and uh, mental strain in our thought processes. That being said, there are practical things and actions we can take to mitigate both the existing anxieties and while managing our lives in a meaningful balance. So um, before we kind of get into that, let me share this part, okay? So um, some key information that I've written, um, I think extensively in one of my books entitled uh, Change Your Thinking and uh, Transform Your Life. Uh, if you can, um, you know, uh, access that type of a book and other books, they'll help you. The book is entitled Change Your Thinking, Transform Your Life. I talk about the psychology of change in that book in depth uh, for those of you who are curious to understand it. So if you go on Amazon, just check out the book, Change Your Thinking, Transform Your Life by Ruben Wanjala. You'll get that book and uh, it will help you. Uh, or you can find a book of an equivalent measure or content uh, that uh, you know will speak on or uh, take a deeper dive into how to transform and how to change from within, or even controlling the change that's being forced upon you. See, the change that we are going through right now for the pandemic is change that's being forced upon us. So we need to adapt to it, but yet reject it as soon as the pandemic ends. Uh, and I'll talk specifically about what I mean by rejecting it, okay? Um, otherwise, it's a problem. So, but I think I need to, this bears repeating. When I say reject what's being pushed onto you, onto you through that change, like right now, you are learning, you know, distancing for the sake of controlling the infection rate. But you need to unlearn distancing, social distancing, that is, after the pandemic, you are being trained to wear a mask continuously to control the infection rate. But you'll have to unlearn wearing the mask every day. See, everything we are doing right now is a matter of survival. It's a life and death situation, but we have to learn how to unlearn what we had to learn in the beginning. Just like if you are not working, you have to 
survive right now by now working and doing the best you can. But after the pandemic, you have to figure out how to go back to being a meaningful contributor to the society, economically speaking. So within the pandemic, there are behaviors that we have to adapt to survive. But we have to know how to take those behaviors out of our system to go back to functioning normally in a society. If we do not do that, we have a major problem. So and that major problem is the crisis that I'm trying to uh, you know, uh, um, uh, talk about now. That's what I'm talking about. That art of changing, being able to change and change gainfully, where not everything that's lost is lost. You know, it's like that heavy Thanksgiving uh, for those of you who, you know, uh, live in the United States. We have this Thanksgiving thing, and uh, we get to eat. And uh, we just kind of party and uh, any kind of food happens, right? We just take it all in. But then after the holidays, so I'm stretching this thing up all throughout the Christmas holidays, come New Year, January, most people are trying to shake off that weight. Why? Because we ate, we indulged, we had a good time uh, and we did some things. But it was within a moment. And after that, we have to find a way to get our body back to where it needs to be. So it's the same thing, just like the pandemic. You have to have a strategy on how you're going to come back out of this. Okay, so thank God you are alive and you are healthy. And our condolences go out to all those that have lost their lives and those who have lost their loved ones. Our prayers are with you. And so if you are alive today, you can't take it for granted and just go day by day with no plan. You need to have a plan to recover your finances, to restore your healthy habits. You have to have a plan to build up on even better things after this pandemic. We have to think that way. If you don't have a hope to see a future outside of this, then we have even a major problem than we already have. So I'm sure that you have heard this statement said at least once in your life, like, I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, and we know that this statement is connected to your growth. You know, our initial experiences in life come from nurturing, right? As we get older, our routines and behaviors are modeled or molded um, uh, through interactions with nature, social and cultural experiences. Um, understanding that our behavior is a product of our environment, we can also create and formulate new ones, especially if we desire different results or outcomes. You know, so creating positive changes in our lives requires new thoughts and habits. To do so, we must also use emotions and logic. Um, so changing your thinking, transforming your life, for example, I talk about how to understand your own behaviors and this is not an easy task, you know. It's like the sun, our mind fires through, you know, just like the sun, our mind fires through our systems, you know. So our system becomes our thoughts. So our mind will fire thoughts from our inner core to the outside world, you know. So the sun is a star. We know that. It's a star. And the sun, uh, the sun you know, where we're getting the heat and light from, you know, the star is composed of helium and hydrogen gases. You know, we hardly think that this thing is not really solid. It's just, it's a bunch of gases, really, at very high temperatures. That's all it is, okay? So helium and hydrogen are gases in the sun. 
the star that we see in the skies. Now, through a process of nuclear fusion, these gases create energy. We experience the effects of this energy in the form of heat and light. Our solar system, therefore, needs that sun, right? Without our life here, without it, our life here on Earth will just cease to exist. You know, so the same can be said of our mind or our thoughts. They have to fuse together at higher frequencies and energies. And as we experience them, the thoughts, we only experience our thoughts through emotions, routines, and behaviors. That's why it's important for you to understand, like, everything that has happened to you within the pandemic you know, um, you know, timelines as we've been going through, if you assess it, you've been experiencing your life through the emotions, the routines, and the behaviors. So after the pandemic, you are going to experience life again through those emotions, behaviors, and your routines. So understanding what routines you must have in place after the COVID you have to have routines within the COVID, okay? You have to develop your own set of routines. Um, this is kind of like um, depending on, let's say, uh, your personality traits or characters and predictable behavioral patterns. That's how we create the new patterns or the new behaviors, right? So I will say, for example, to create a new routine and behavior, you must interrupt your thinking process so our conscious mind is active while awake, right? We know that, that our conscious mind is going to be active while we are awake and controls our actions based on a predetermined pattern of behavior embedded in our subconscious mind. That's why we get up in the morning doing the, the same routine. Some people get up in the morning, they head to the bathroom right away, they want to brush their teeth. Some people get up in the morning, they want to stand outside and yawn and stretch. It doesn't matter. The point is, you understand that you do have a routine. There are things that you do continuously. Well, those things are just not happening. It's part of your makeup system meaning your conscious mind kicks in and you go to that routine. But when you're asleep, your subconscious mind is like active. But the subconscious mind is the program that runs the conscious mind. You know, it's like someone saying, oh, I have uh, a document and I can open up uh, this document on, let's say, a PC, but I can open up on a Mac. Well, it's because that piece of, um, you know, document, uh, as we can call it, let's say, information, can only work on a certain program that underguards it. So programs designed to run on a Mac will run on a Mac, and programs designed to run on a PC will run on a PC, meaning I'm talking about Microsoft and you know Apple here. But you get the point. The point being that your mind... Your active mind, when you're walking and fully conscious and you're communicating with people, that conscious part of your mind is running on another program on your subconscious mind where your routines are controlled. So to understand your routines, you have to think about the things you do when you wake up. For example, do you just really want to know who texted you last night when you wake up? Like your phone has to be where you're at. Like you don't have a Anything else to do when you wake up in the morning except go to your phone and go through everything first. And then you may brush your teeth later. You may take a walk later, right? So if that's how you operate, that is now your programming. That programming is in your subconscious mind. So in your conscious mind, 
if I told you, or let's say I took your phone away, the first thing you're going to do when you wake up in the morning, things are going to be off because you reach now for your phone and it's now where you normally keep it. You're already irritated. Why? Because things are not where they need to be. So that's how our behavior works. So when you interrupt your actual behavior, you will see how your conscious mind works. And you'll also understand what your subconscious programming is all about, where a routine becomes the way of life. So that's how things work. So we don't count how many times we are blinking our eyes, but we just do. But if I mention that you blink in your eyes, you'll be conscious of it. So what makes you blink your eyes without thinking? Let's blink our eyes. That's a subconscious program, right? So that's another way of looking at it. You can chew gum and walk at the same time. I've never seen someone who say, hey, wait, let me chew my gum first and then I'll walk because I can do both, right? So there's some things that are running on auto reflexes here. That is part of your subconscious mind. So when we learn a new skill with intense focused on repetition or repetitive steps, once we memorize that new skill set, it becomes a routine. And this routine then forms a habit. Our subconscious mind embeds this habit as a behavior, making it a second nature. So thinking about driving, for example, when you've learned how to drive, you are likely to perform this exercise without even thinking about it. You see, so you can drive a vehicle and sometimes even trying to look at the phone, eating a happy meal, singing along to your favorite tunes until you arrive to your destination. It's almost like some things you don't even, you're not even thinking about. Have you ever been driving and you got to your destination, but you wasn't thinking about your destination per se? It's like the last time you thought about the destination was when you got in the car, but you wasn't thinking about the destination. You just pulled there and you were thinking about all other things. You picked up phones or uh, phone calls or you were listening to music or whatever it is that you are doing. You are so much so embedded in that you don't even remember how you drove particularly, but you do remember you needed to go where you went and you actually arrived. All right. So that's part of what we call the programming system. You have to understand that. So why are people, um, why are we feeling like we don't like what's going on? I don't want to wear a mask. Uh, I don't want to be this six feet distance they're talking about. I, I want to go to my ball games. I want to do what I used to do. What is that fight? That fight is the program that you have. It's just a program. Not a big deal. Understand that that's a program you are used to, we call it a routine, a behavior. And so you're going to fight and kick and scream when everything comes against that program. Because within that program, it's actually you. That's where your identity kind of comes from. Uh, we, we don't have time to talk about that because I can talk about, uh, you know, how uh, your brain is wired from the ego all the way to what's going on right now. So most people are just being defiant because it's like a kind of withdrawal. It's almost like a, an addiction that you're getting out of. So you become erratic. So the resistance to accepting what's going on is coming from the frustration of having to deal with your program screaming to do one thing. And you are being forced to do another because you cannot do both, right? 
you can't have ball games and risk infecting people just as much as you can go to a store and not have a mask because either you can infect somebody or someone else can infect you. So that resistance, that pain is what we are going through. But all of that can be summed up into is your subconscious programming now fighting with your conscious mind because your routines have been altered or affected or they're being forced to. Okay, so if our mind is wired to learn and form new habits while seeking change, we can recognize the need to question our mind by evaluating our own actions and proclivities. Unfortunately, so most of us do not seek change until it's too late. And that explains, let's say, addictive behaviors perfectly. Uh, For example, are you experiencing frustration, discouragement and failure? Remember, you just didn't quit your job. It's not like someone just uh, took away your work. Uh, It's not like things didn't work out. It wasn't a doing of your own. It was something that was brought up on you. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Ruben. We're looking forward to you joining us in future episodes as Ruben interviews and discusses important subjects with best-selling authors, leaders, and entrepreneurs.